to the bandwidth. Here at the Band Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. I want to welcome everybody. I'm Father Ken. Thanks for joining us. We are having an amazing morning here in the world, and we are getting ready to talk about your favorite thing, Magic the Gathering Collectible Finance. It's, it's kind of a new day for us here. We've, we've had multiple people on before, but uh, we've made the decision. It's time. We, we need to add another voice, another, I, uh, another ideology, another methodology to collectible finance. And we're really glad, well, Wolf and I are very glad to add Wit into our discussion. Wit, how are you doing today? Doing really good. I'm drinking my coffee right now, so I'm trying to wake up because you crazy people wanted to do this recording this early in the morning, but I'm excited to be here. So, Wit, you have a different approach to collectible finance than Wolf or I. Uh, I. I am the small backpack grinder. I am the guy who does this as a hobby. Uh, Wolf is our really our technology guru. He's the guy who figures out how to make money using data uh, as well, as much as possible. But you are you almost run your own store out of your house, your apartment. Right, that is correct. Um, if you literally walked into my apartment, like half of it is is my store. Like I have a walk-in closet that is like a warehouse, and like to my right, if you look at my desk, I'm surrounded by all different kinds of cards. To my right, I have sh- you know a shelf <laughs> like shelves full of cards uh, that's all categorized. But yeah, I I have an online TCG store. Uh, I also have an SYP. And uh, this is my full-time job. So for a lot of people, the goal is to get to wit's level, to be the ultimate backpack grinder, to be able to walk into any shop anytime an opportunity comes up. He can usually gather together enough funds from the cards that he has to be able to buy a collection, to be able to buy cards, and then to turn them over very quickly. Is, is that fair to say? Does that grasp your, your picture a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. And one of the cool things that that we get to do is we get to learn from a variety of people. And to have three different voices every single week for you, we want to be able to share with you our experience, our our situation, those areas that we're looking at, and then also really how deep we're going into them just to give an idea of, of how we go about finance at different levels. So... Do you have anything interesting going on in your life right now that you'd care to share about? Uh, let's just say um, a small little ring is quite expensive. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, we'll just leave it at that. Like, I just bought a bunch of secret layers and I was like, that's the most expensive purchase I'm going to make this week. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. Today I'm supposed to buy a, you know, an engagement ring and that turned out to be more expensive. Yeah. And then uh, Wolf Wolf is here with us as well. Wolf, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm appreciating the order in which Wit went about that. The secret layers first, ring second. Yeah. yeah. We got that. We got that straightened <laughs> out right from the start. Uh, but I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, uh, we actually had a random winter squall here yesterday. It was one of the first times I've gotten one of those emergency notifications on my phone and discovered it was real and um it was so severe it was 
blowing thing, my patio furniture off my back patio, but we lost power, which means that my desktop, which runs majority of my MTG scripts, turned off and decided not to run anything. So I've been playing catch up these past two days, trying to figure out which of the 35 automated scripts might have worked and might not have worked. And uh, so I'm having I'm having fun playing Where's Waldo with my own data. Lovely. That's right. I forgot about the winter squall, the snow squall. I had the, the same alerts like this last Friday here. Yeah, yeah, they hit us yesterday, and it was that was intense for about a half an hour. It was crazy. We got like three inches of snow in an hour. Uh, one of the things that we like to do here at the Band Arbitrage Network is is bring in people who are specialized in their area. Um, myself, I've I've focused in on. Uh, really focus in on judge promos it's it's a lot of what i do a lot of uh interesting things for me is is figuring out how to price and sell judge promos because i tend to get quite a few of them in from my work as a judge one of the other things that we have is is somebody who specializes in secret layers they have figured out a way to make money just on secret layers and it's absolutely amazing to me it's astounding but it's knowing the the social side of secret layers while also being able to purchase the right ones at the right time. And I think I would like to introduce to you our friend Hidden Agenda. Uh, Hidden, how are you doing today? Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm doing well. As we were discussing beforehand, so um, I had a medical operation performed, so I'm just laying in bed right now. But uh, everything's good. Everything's going well, recovery going fine. So, yeah, I'm here ready to to go over um, some more layer information with y'all. I absolutely love that. Um, Hidden Agenda has steered me wrong once, but I'm okay with that because I'm still making money. Uh, the fun <laughs> part is is <laughs> we, uh, we are having a, a really good time here. Um, we want to be able to add to the discussion of MTG finance and to have such a variety of people as part of what we're doing is, is very exciting. One of the things that we've been noticing here in the chat and the things that are going on, uh, for, for people in the ban arbitration network discord is that we've been discussing when to get in on a new set. And when we look at a sets like Kamigawa, what we have to realize is that this is a standard set. It's going to be in print for the next year and a half, probably a little bit more than that. So we'll be able to get boxes. We'll be able to get singles. We'll be able to get just a variety of different cards. Most of them are going to go down. That's just the reality of it. We may have a few slam dunks like uh, Meat Hook Massacre. That card is a slam dunk. I was buying them at 20 and selling them at 40. No problem. Every, all day, every single day. That being said, I don't really see any slam dunks here in Kamigawa right now. Now, that I may be wrong, but we have time. We have a lot of time. You know, the the amount of cards that are going to be going into the sale pool are going to be absolutely astronomical in the next month. And then we're just going to have time to watch it take off from there. Well, anybody have any thoughts on that? I think I agree with for posting tremendous walls whenever a new set comes out. And 
one of them I've noticed like they just don't have very big walls. They all have like five or six copies of a certain edge foil. And this is coming from a company that normally posts two or 300 cards because they open thousand, 10,000 boxes plus. So I would at least say, I would at least encourage with this set, keep an eye out on the edge foils. Oh yeah, no, that's a good call out. Uh, I like the, the low key gaming company call out. Uh, I'll get in trouble with them. Um, But uh, (laughs) I, I, I'm really fascinated to see with this set because it, everything I've heard has just been rave reviews. And as people are actually returning to the world, and Father Ken, we talked about this on our last yeah. cast, but I'll be very curious to see the impact that this set has on standard because um, I feel like we've gotten very used to cards in these standard sets, basically having direct impact on sets like or formats like modern or or popper or whatever it is just whether accidentally or whatever it is and that kind of steals the spotlight or the edh cards um so it'll be really interesting to me to see if people love this set enough to actually play basically play the format that it's it's meant to be played in so to speak so i'll be very curious to see how that goes and to see if it's strong enough to really uh, dominate the standard theme or if it's just going to be one of those supplementary sets. So yeah. we, we've already gotten a pretty good idea from, from hidden agenda that he's, you're just not really interested in this set at all. Um, so where are we at work right now? What, instead of focusing in on standard, what, what kind of things are you looking at over the last few sets or maybe where are you finding the the most opportunity to be able to buy cards right now? First off, I would probably say the secret layers for this, like just in the last week here, the mm-hmm. secret layers have my full attention at this time, um, which I mean, I'm sure we're going to be talking about more during this podcast, but yeah, that's true. That That's kind of one of the easiest ones. Uh, I think the secret layers this round were a total home run. Uh, beyond that, though, uh, as I said in a podcast, you know, a couple podcasts ago this late December, um, I have my eyes set on the Four Horsemen set, and I still continue to do so. Now, I will admit, I haven't been going as crazy buying some stuff up because the de- the drawback is when you buy a lot of the Four Horsemen, it does lock up funds for a time. But at the same time, I am keeping an eye out on certain cards. Um, one that I've been uh, a certain quartet of cards I've been especially watching out is uh, the Mishra's Factory uh, Antiquities. So the spring, yeah. the summer, the fall, and the winter. Uh, namely, the spring has been rather interesting because on the um, if you are watching uh, MTG stocks, fall and summer have been popping up frequently, especially fall. And I think even winter has been showing up. Spring has not had any movement yet, which I'm kind of questioning. Okay, how long will that go for? Because usually if someone gets a summer, a fall, or a winter, or want to collect the whole set of antiquities, they're going to want the spring. Yeah. And spring right now, you can get near main copies between $100 and $120, which if you're kind of a new in the MTG finance, that sounds like a lot of money, but this is also a card that could easily become two, $300 within a year, two years. Um, yeah, so it's not like a quick you know, instant gain, but it's definitely a sort of in a financial sense, it's like a hedge fund or it's, it's something that's going to move, you know, slowly over time, kind of like your Apple or Google stop, Google stock. 
Yeah. Now, this is this is one of those things where you have to balance out your working capital versus storage capital. And I think I've I fell into this trap in the past before and I've still got a sealed case of of mystery boosters from 2019 that I'm sitting on. But being able to know when to pull cash out and to put it into long-term storage, that's that's a major question that we have. And being able to to balance that is one of those things that going from a, a small backpack grinder to a large backpack grinder, that's going to be the key learning curve for you is to know where to put money away and where to keep it working for you. Right. Well, and also having to ask the question of when do you sell something on the reserve list because or something that is very collectible? Because if you have, say, for example, Yavi Maya Hollows, and let's say they go from $40 to $80, which I think that's what they did like uh, 18 months ago, you have to ask the question like, okay, you know, your investment just literally doubled. Do you sell now or do you hold in hopes that it continues to go up to 100, 100 120 140 because as long as the reserve list has remained intact that card will eventually will continue to climb almost no matter what because it's a very playable card it's a good reserve list card um and supply is going to continue to dwindle while demand will either stay the same or increase maybe a chance of decreasing but not by much so yeah asking the question as to when do you take that exit i think is just as important as well yeah, that uh, always knowing when you're going to buy and sell any given card is is the key to making things really positive and really happen for you. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to learn is, and and really part of the reason why I've been selling so much recently is because I've I've just gotten to the point where I have so much crap here that I <laughs> it's not working for me anymore. So it's got to go out the door. So. Yeah. Do you have the same issue as Charlie having like massive stacks of cards on your desk? Uh, it, I actually have a kitchen table sitting next to my desk right now. That's full. Oh man. And that's not including all the stuff I have to go through right now. And so it's, it's one of those things where I know that the more work I put into it, the more money I'm going to make, but I don't have a lot of time to put work into it right now. So whatever's listed is, is getting, is getting the adjusted prices every couple of days and it's just going out the door. So, and then I, I'm going to have the kids next Monday, help me go through everything and just get set up for, for the spring. So tax season is coming. There's lots of cards here that need to get sold. Yup. Uh, Wolf, you have, uh, you have not had an adequate rant re- recently. Uh, is there something that you would like to, to rant about, or is there something that you're interested in right now, or maybe something from the last few sets that you're kind of targeting? Uh, no, see, for me, this is my first year actually having my LLC up and running. So, uh, I prepared like a monkey and I have nothing ready for tax season. So I am spending this last week and mainly next week getting everything organized so that the tax man is happy with me. So, um, that's really just been taking over everything, which has been sucking a lot of the fun out of it for me, but I figured get it done now, get that sorted. So, um, the, my biggest accomplishment, the thing that I've just been working on is just, uh, working on that Twitter bot, which I've been, um, you know, just complaining about the whole time. Cause I spun that up. I wanted it to be a day project because every automated Twitter bot that I see on Twitter, 
um, is kind of awful with the exception of maybe MDG stocks because it actually has an impact. So I wanted to create something that actually cycles content and it, it's going to pull from uh, the ban API. It's pulling from my personal database. It's pulling from the latest sales. It's pulling up in the agenda secret layer. Uh, it's going to be releasing whenever we release a podcast. It's going to be chilling ban only if there's a 31st in the month because I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but uh, basically, that just took over my life for about a week there because I was like, oh, this will be a fun day project. I spent like eight hours into it and I was like, well, I can't give up now. Uh, so I was, I've been having a lot of fun with that and hopefully kicked that off just about last night. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I'm just hopping on Twitter right now and I see your, your post from today, uh, from 11 hours ago, actually yeah. talking about the popper metagame. That seems yeah. like a really reasonable thing. And man, I, I almost want that to be spun off into its own, uh, its own Twitter handle because, you know, it, it's going to be something that kind of sucks up your time if it's on your personal, but you know, that's, well, that's, that's a, it's completely automated. Now I created 31 templated tweets. I created logic to query down to one most pertinent card. And then I created all of the graphics will be built off of that, uh, that templated data structure. I, I, you know, made everything uniform. Uh, and then, uh, the last thing I need to do is I just need to add in a little, basically, uh, what do you call it? Look back logic so that way if i posted something in the past 31 days any card uh if it was i might get a little bit more specific in how it was originally mentioned but if it was mentioned once it's going to go into probably just a storage csv file and that uh every day when it spins up it's going to look at that csv and say hey if i mentioned this in the last 31 days i need to exclude it from the data so i don't mention it again but uh yeah those 31 individual pieces of content rotating and then I might just shake up the uh, the messages every now and then just to make keep people guessing to see if it's a human or not. But we'll we'll see how that goes. This is uh, you know Twitter. It's one of those things that just kind of it can either be really positive or really negative. And it's I think you're adding to the discussion of Twitter right now and allowing people to to get a glimpse of the data that we at Ban Arbitrage Network have had access to. And I absolutely love that we're, we're sharing this to, uh, with the world. You know, that's one of our goals here is to be able to raise the level of education in, uh, in collectible finance to help people understand the ins and outs. And I, I love that you continue to do this hard work for us. So thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. The other thing too, just to, to capstone it, is I'll uh, I'll be releasing that script on Twitter itself. So uh, it's an R script, so some of you may cringe at that, but uh, I'm gonna hide all the secrets so you can't see all my personal Twitter login or necessarily connect all of our databases or the API. But you'll be able to see basically the entire script beyond that. If uh, anybody wants to take that and run with it, go for it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So one of the things that we, we'd love to do is to be able to bring people on that help us understand another niche of collectible finance. Uh, that niche that we want to talk about today is secret layers. And Hidden Agenda has taken time over the last couple of years of all of these secret layers to gather data, to gather an understanding of secret layers and how they impact 
the larger realm of collectible finance. And we're really glad to have Hidden Agenda as part of uh, the Ban Arbitrage Network. We're glad to have their uh, their insights to when to buy and when to sell. But I'm, I'm going to let let them jump in and, and talk about their favorite things about Secret Layers. So welcome, Hidden Agenda. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time with your kids to be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Uh, what I kind of wanted to do uh, is give a review or just kind of go over the most recent batch of layers that have just been released on uh, Watsi's website uh, for sale. So I know I did a podcast already, and I kind of just, you know, literally ran the gambit, had data coming in and from all over the place. And so I wanted to kind of like, I used to say, give you guys the, the data in progress, in process, so you kind of get a understanding of how I'm visualizing, how I'm seeing the layers, what I'm looking at, how I break them down, and if I determine them uh, worthwhile to purchase. Uh, I will state initially, so when I'm doing these breakdowns, I'm going to be breaking them down initially as a singles purchase or what I would call like individual purchase. So this would be purchasing them outright, not purchasing them in a bundle. Uh, I'll discuss bundles at the very end uh, of this topic. So uh, with that, I mean, I guess I'll ask the question to see if anybody's got any questions right now before I uh, get into this. So what what is the frequency that we're getting secret layers right now? Just just so people have a, a general idea. From what we've seen, at least once every standard set will have a batch and then towards the end of the year there seems to be almost a few more um so generally like i said about eight or nine will come out in a batch uh with every standard set release so that's once a quarter and then on top of that they seem to spatter them throughout the year. There's individual ones that'll be tied to a holiday, a charity, um, and those. I you know I, I can't predict those. They they right. they happen when they happen. Um, I know. I think extra life seems to be a continuous one, so I would expect one to happen this year. Uh, other than that. It's it's kind of sporadically random, uh, but I'm still, you know, here chugging away doing the job, and uh, it is interesting. I won't lie to try to line up the pay uh, the pay cycles because yeah. <laughs> uh, you know you could be so you could pay for the item right here right now, or you can. Uh, put it on that pre-order, pay for it when it gets closer to actually shipping to you, but then you're also looking like, okay, what else is releasing around that time? So that is something to consider. 
as well when you're purchasing this round of layers that uh, looks like they're estimating sometime to be shipped in July. And if I recall, Double Masters 2 is going to be around that time as well. So just, you know, have your wallet prepared because I know Double Masters 2 is likely going to be a very expensive set for anyone uh, just in the MTG career field uh, MTG universe by itself, it's already going to be an expensive set, not alone, not adding to just the financial sector of us speculating, um, the stores cracking boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So there's there's a lot of variety here with these secret layers, and it, it pays to stay on top of them. I uh, I had I had a customer specifically reach out to me to see if I could access some of the secret layer singles, which absolutely I can. But when you're dropping forty dollars on a on a single from a secret layer, you, you this guy was was feeling kind of like things weren't weren't equitable at that time, and that he missed out on an opportunity to buy in. So run me down here. What are our options long-term? Uh, what, what have you found to be most profitable to be able to, uh, to jump in and, and be a part of, of the secret layer roundabout? Well, I kind of do it in, I kind of see like three different options. So essentially you're always going to have your initial, your, your, your sell window, which is going on right now where you can buy in um, initially. Now, whether that's individual layers, that is uh, bundles, whatever the case may be, that usually is your obviously your best entry because it's going to be the cheapest you're going to get it for, especially if you're trying to do like a sealed approach. Um, buying them initially is, is always going to be your best approach generally. Uh, after that, upon release, uh, they do move quicker. So I will say the singles do move quicker than as like we were discussing earlier uh, with like standard sets where you know you want to wait before you jump in. With secret layers, um, that timeline window is reduced. You usually have you know, two, three weeks to jump in on singles at their cheapest, especially like the hot ones, you know, like the, uh, carpet of flowers, foil, you know, that started at, uh, was in like the, the lower twenties, uh, excuse me, uh, was like 28, 29 and then shot all the way up to like 44. And that was within like the first three weeks. Um, and then there are arbitrage opportunities that do happen. Sometimes the sealed boxes, uh, you know, people continually undercut the market, continue to undercut the market. And a lot of people don't like putting in the time. And this isn't just, you know, um, those people may be making money. So like if you were to buy, a bundle, right? You lower your cost estimate on all your layers. You generally get a discount. So 
you selling it at a certain price, you still made profit, but you don't want to go through the hassle of, you know, listing the singles. So you, you know, you sell it off. But for someone like us, we may see that opportunity and go, well, I can make an extra, you know, 10 to 15 bucks if I buy it at their price and reflip the singles. So those are the main ones that I've seen. Now, I don't really, uh, we're still looking to see how far these go down the line because, you know, like they're still relatively new to the whole MTG universe uh, when we're talking about length of time. So we're still seeing how the OG layers uh, are impacting the market as the supply is continually dwindling. Uh, and that's something that I'm expecting to see within the next this year to next year is to really see those either uh, explode or basically just do nothing because we're uh, there is. And I guess you say an internal speculation where like I see the supply continually dwindle. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens when we actually reach zero, because one of these product lines are very are, are more easily able to reach that, you know, zero supply of there's actually just nothing left on the market versus, you know, regular, the a current day standard box or anything else that was released even into the modern era. So a question I want to kind of throw in, um, in regards to that, because yeah, as the older sets, you know, as the older thing, you know, secret layers, we're seeing less supply in the market because it's getting, you know, added to people's commander decks, uh, sealed products are getting opened up by, you know, by players. Um, do you think that uh, as investors, we should be concerned as to if we see on, you know, that we could see on the list some se- old secret layer cards? I mean, we've already seen uh, cards from the Magic Player Reward Program show up. Uh, we've seen other various promos, including the Fate Reforged, uh, Ugin special promos. Uh, that have been showing up on the list. Do you think we're that will ever be a concern down the road? I won't speak for Watsy and the weird practices and things that they do. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, now, I will say, if they were to do that, that likely is going to kill the idea behind what a secret layer means. Because one of the marketing aspects behind secret layer, you know, the the purchasing tagline being that once it's gone, it's gone. And if they go against that marketing tagline and basically say once it's gone, it's gone for the next five years, you know, will people be as interested in layers uh, at that point, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a fair conclusion. Also with the other, uh, with the examples that I mentioned, I believe all of those were technically free and we have, you know, so the NPR, you know, magic player rewards program, those cards were sent out for those who are not, have not played the game during that time. Uh, this was something that was sent out by wizards of the coast to players to get to play uh, and it never costed the players anything. You just had to have a DCI number with an appropriate address with the uh, fate reforged. Uh, it was 
a promo that you could get access, you know, that you could get uh, during, I think it was either pre-release or the release itself of Fate Reforged. In this situation, this is actually a product that people are paying for in advance. Furthermore, we have not seen, uh, was it the Mythic Edition? We have not seen that show up on the list yet. And we have also have yet to see Judge Promo show up on the myth- on the list. So I would at least kind of like echo what you're saying that, yeah, I think it's, it would be a very foolish move for uh, for Wizards of the Coast to to print to reprint the secret layer cards on the list. So I, yeah, I would say that at least at this time, and probably at least for the next five to ten years, I don't even think that's even a question to that. I think we're going to actually have to deal with. Hidden, did you want to break down like which see uh, which of each of the secret layers, like which ones are good to buy, which ones to hold, which one to sell, or like to avoid what what your agenda looks like. Uh, pun Pun very much intended so one of the things that we're kind of interested in hidden is is how do you go through evaluating the 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 current secret layers i i know that you're you're actively looking at them you're actively seeing what's involved but what are you doing to um to really break them down how do you what's your process yeah, so I have about six, seven, you know, it, it depends from every layer. But I, I have I have little ticks that I go down and I look and I say, okay, does it meet this, 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 and this? So uh, I'll, I guess I'll just go down them. So TCG Low, so current market pricing uh, valuations is one of the main ones that I look is, is the cars that are being offered currently selling on the market at or above the, the, the asking price essentially. So whatever Wizards of the Coast charge charging for the product is the cards selling at that price a little bit above, or is it like way below? Um, another thing is, is theme seeing, uh, is the theme style. What's the, what's the draw to it? So, uh, like for one of them, there's the planeswalkers and they have like that small art style. I, I heard it's called chibi. So, you know, that, I would put that as like the theme. I would say, okay, chibi art style. What's the draw to it? Um, are people interested in it? Are people kind of taken aback? And you just kind of look at the communities. Um, I guess to say, uh, outlook towards it. So like, I'll look through Reddit. I'll look on Twitter. Uh, I'll talk to some people around, not just within the band community, but like the local game stores and people, and just kind of hear. Are people interested in it? Are people taken aback by it? Um, in that, another thing I'll look for is is their first time foils. So usually, the layers don't they don't get an extra push generally because of a first time foil, but first time foils are single um, are. When, when I talked about like earlier with like singles, first time foils are generally cards that you do want to target after release for first time foils. Almost every single one that was a first time foil has at least increased in value since then. 
um, some of them more than others. So like, like I was pointing back to, you know, Carpet of Flowers, that one actually almost went up uh, somewhere around like 20-30% after release. And those are things that definitely look at. Um, the amount of cards, so how split the equity is between each card. So if we're talking about a $30 layer, there's five cards being released for it, you know, you're thinking, okay, each card is estimated value somewhere around six, um, you know, six dollars. You add on the bonus card as well, so you generally always, so it's five cards being displayed with a bonus card coming in. So you're like, okay, so six dollars thirty. You know, it does the is the cards equal across the board, or do you have like one? one card that's like $20 uh, worth that of the value. And then you have the other cards that are like five, two, three, stuff like that. Um, and the last one is just playability. Like do the cards see play um, anywhere essentially. So not just, you know, uh, the more play it sees, obviously the better. So if we we're talking about, um, a layer that has a bunch of eternal format staples, it's a good layer to go for. Uh, if it's a layer that, like, the Praetor one has a lot of, while they're not really, like, eternal format staples, they are very heavily played, um, they are played in sought-after EDH cards as top-end finishers. So it's another one. Uh, after that, I just kind of take all that together and I determine whether or not something's really, uh, if the, I basically put them all together, come up with like a little score and then I look at the price that they're charging and I say, okay, is $30, $40, $50, whatever it may be, is it worth these risks? Or pro, you know, pros or cons. If it is, okay, it goes on the board for single speculation, uh, for like individual. And if it's not, then I kind of put it to the side. And then I look at it later and I say, well, okay, if I had per- if I purchased the bundle, which gets me down to this price, um, is that, does that make it worth it? There, there definitely is a risk and reward process that we have to pro, that we have to think through for ourselves individually, and so you're you're quantifying it in a very simple way, and then giving advice based upon that quantification, right? Uh, essentially, yes. Okay, so we we have this discussion whenever a a brand new secret layer pops up. And I know that you are going deeper into secret layers than I am. I'm I'm a I'm a three or four secret layer purchaser kind of guy. That's that's about all I can sink into it at this time. Otherwise, I'm I'm just investing too much money in the long term. Um, so, where obviously you're you're cracking and reselling quickly. What what are you finding to be to be most 
most interesting in that process of, of cracking and, and selling? Well, actually, I, I do a mixture of everything, just so. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, I do. I, I am learning the, the ways of eBay and pre-sales. Uh, that seems to be one of the best avenues to getting rid of something uh, or getting basically getting the max profit for layers as quickly as possible. Now, is it, does it, you know, is it uh, high moving in value and stuff like that? Generally not uh, pre-sales. They, um, depending on your price point and what you're charging, you know, it's always a, it's always a game is does the, does the buyer, value the item worth that much because you're kind of there really is no set market um but i kind of look at layers in in uh, different aspects so i think layers singles wise are i guess you say i'm i'm more looking in like market timelines maybe that's a better way to put it uh so pre-sales i would generally focus on selling singles at release, I generally say focus on selling sealed. After release, so after that uh, initial window of like th- three, well, it, it kind of depends. So three to six months, anywhere from six months to like a year and a half, I would consider like medium, like medium term. Um and that range, I would say your best focus is going to be singles and like buy listing. You know, if you really want to flip a layer, you don't, you maybe got caught with a layer, you maybe miss misjudged or something like that. You could, uh, or if you like do bundles, right? Like sometimes you do get stinkers when you do get bundles. And so you're trying to get rid of those like ASAP. Um, so you can... You know, you could focus on buy lists and, uh, you know, selling singles at that point. And then long term, we're talking about like holding things for like a year plus um, or like two years, you know, plus. Um, That seems to be like I would keep them sealed and then you could, you know, list the singles. You could list singles, but don't crack until the singles sell, kind of like one of those uh, ways. And that's kind of how I do pre- um, pre-sales, too, is like I'll list them in like a playset. And until uh, until 75% to 80% of all the singles uh, have sold within that playset. Now, I, I don't add bonus cards because, you know, no one knows. But if we're saying... Uh, the the layer has five cards plus uh, plus the bonus card. You know we're saying we're saying about four of the five cards have sold uh, max quantity. At that point, then I would list another four uh, of each one, so I know when I get it, I'm cracking at that point eight layers, and so on and so forth. So I don't want to crack more than I know that I've already had to sell the the sales for all right so we've we've got a pretty good idea of how to sell um how to how to process through the the cards what's your ultimate decision on on when to buy single layers versus versus the 
um, the bundles. And to be honest, I've, I've never bought a bundle in my life, um, uh, of, of secret layers. So I, I just never really had the, the inkling to go down that route. It kind of has to do with, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors again, but, um, the main thing is if everything is a winner and you're winning, so the way that I, you know, I'll take my ratings, right. And I'll say like, okay, I got X amount of layers that are like must buys, great buys, et cetera, et cetera. And I go, if the number of great buys is more than the, mm, like the meh to bad buys, um, then I'll definitely be looking at the bundle because the bundle is just making your price, your entry point, you know, it's just bringing it down more. So it's going to be more, it's going to be better returns for you because you're bringing your cost average down. Uh, even though you're technically spending more money, when you cut that return across all the all the layers you got, you know, you really are saving something. And so, uh, I mean, I guess I'll just hit it now. So I, I highly recommend the bundles for this round. Um the street fire layer, the street fighter layers, um, being 40, 49, uh, or was it 39 and 49? Um, if you, if, if you're buying those, I would definitely consider buying the bundles. The bundles are going to bring your cost average down on those layers, you know, about 10, $20, depending on uh, foil or non foil, which is a great savings, uh, for you. And that's just, more money in your pocket. There's a lot of high end layers. There's that neon dynasty neon ink one. That's like $50. And if you buy like the, the, the largest bundle that brings your cost average on that down to like 30 bucks per layer, which is a lot better than you spending $50. Um, I, I kind of see a trap here too. Um, you know, when you're on the fence about one set versus all of them, if there's a lot of them that you're kind of on the fence on, does it make sense to buy in at that point? Or is that, that just a trap? Well, so that goes back to, you know, like, like that, that rating, if there's a lot of duds, um, where, which one was it? I think it was like the August one. Back in August, there was like the 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 Teferi's out of time one, and a lot of them looked a lot of meh, or like they, like they they were fine, but then you had the one like you you had the the Teferi layer that was like it, you know it looked like the shining star, and when you look at batches like that, when you're going okay, this one is obviously at a different level than all the rest of them maybe I'll just, you know, just max out that particular layer and I'm fine just buying the individual one. And that's where, like I said, those, those, those ratings kind of come in place where you're like, okay, if I, if I buy the largest bundle or I buy this, do I have a way to get rid of all these exit, all these cards um, that I don't care for or all these cards? It basically is like all these cards are going to weigh me down over the success of this one, should I just focus on this one? Um, 
or am I going to, you know, and that's, yeah. Or am, am I going to get like, uh, weighed down? So that's kind of like where I was saying with this one, um, this particular batch definitely has a lot of good to better layers, like well-rounded layers, which lean me towards, um, bundling versus, uh, rounds in the past where, there may have only been like one or two um, targetable layers that are like, okay, I can skip the bundles because I just want to go heavier on on these because I see these are going to be winners or the rest of these are going to be hit and miss. Okay. So it, really it's, what we're trying to do is not fall into the trap of buying something that, that isn't going to sell. But we also realize that the, the MTG market is very fickle. We've had some wins. We've had some losses through this analysis. So we're going forward from here. We, we have a, we have to start developing our own process of evaluating. We have to start identifying our risk rewards. We have to look at our outs and then we also have to think about the secret layers. Now, are there any other factors like like perhaps the length of the sale window or, or, or things like that that we have to take into account when looking at secret layers? So, Father Ken, are you actually buying any of the secret layers this round? I am buying secret layers, and it's horrible, and I feel bad. <laughs> I So... For those of you who don't know, I actually have a uh, an addiction. Can I admit that? I am addicted to Minotaurs. <laughs> I, I absolutely love all things Minotaur, and they are intriguing and interesting to me. So I am buying little walkers, both foil and non-foil. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, I just did not see that. Coming from you, Father Ken, I'm sorry. <laughs> He yeah. he has a secret fetish for chibis. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you dare edit that out of the pit podcast. Let I it be known to the world. Thinking that right away, I was like, I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, Ken. I just that seems I know because I know you're the bodybuilder, and just seeing you go for for that, <laughs> that just. <laughs> I would like to point out that I'm I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm a power lifter. My muscles my muscles have have function, but uh <laughs> no being able to buy Ongrath right now um is one of those things that I'm I'm interested in. Um I also want to do it for as cheap as possible. So I I had to weigh the risk reward of pre-purchasing the the foil and non-foil secret layers. And I had to balance out that with what I wanted to do long-term with the, the secret layers. And what I realized is, is yes, I, I need to buy the cards uh, in the secret layer bundle. They aren't going to see as much play as some. Uh, I think Ashiok's the best card in the, in the set um, and has the most opportunity to be replayed in EDH or, you know, other areas. Um, I so I'm I'm purchasing those. I'm also getting Street Fighter and then I'm getting the Magna um secret layers. Um Street Fighter, I'm just going basic. 
what I do with those is I buy the, the non-foil because, um, you know, the financial investment kind of shows that, that the foil ones aren't going up as quickly as the non-foils, uh, at least in price. And so I, I buy a, a single set of the, the specialty one. I just got my, um, stranger things, secret layer. I, uh, I yeah. bought, bought one of those and I just got it in. And my college student is going absolutely nuts that they made really cool uh, Magic the Gathering cards for, for a secret lair. And I'm uh-huh. just like, I'm going to sell these. And she's just like, you can't. And I'm just like, that's what I do. I, I sell <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the beard has spoken. Yeah. So my my daughter's think is, thinks it's really cool, wants me to hold on to it, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um. Once once things settle out after the next couple of weeks, then I'll I'll consider selling them. Uh, I may wait another six months to a year to sell them. I cracked them, and we're just going to wait and see. Wait and see what happens. Um, let's see here. the The Magno ones are probably my favorite ones right now. Um, there's just something about the art and there's something about the, uh, the card quality of them that I, I just jumped into. And I, I thought, all right, this is going to be worthwhile to, to get involved with. So how about you guys? What, what are you buying into? Are, are you going deep or are you going, going light? I know, uh, in the past Wolf, you've, you've gone super deep. I have, but this time I'm just going for the street fighters. Um, and that's mainly because, uh, and I'll show my age here. I have no idea who Zangief is as a character. I only know him from Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, and my wife loves the Zangief bit from that. So I'm buying the, the non-foil secret layers, uh, or, uh, the non-foil street fighters, but that's the only one that I'm really particularly interested in here. And it's not really a specific play or anything. Again, it's more just for, for personal test. Probably something like four or six, I think, but that's about it. So hold on. I just realized that Street Fighter was like three years younger than me. Um, so I, I didn't play Street Fighter growing up. My younger brothers did. So I know about it. But I completely forgot that this is not the wheelhouse for most MTG financers. So they're appealing to the 35 to 40 year olds with this one. And the kids who watch Bracket Ralph, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So you buy yeah. the foil or the non-foil? Oh, oh, always the non-foil. Even if the foils were worth more, I still wouldn't touch them because I don't like to eat Pringles. That's true. That's just a, that's just a personal thing. I mean, obviously, if the if the imbalance became so great, but if it's ever in doubt, I'm always going. I the, the fact that like. I mean, fact that when they ship this product it's already damaged coming out of the box let alone i've got a couple of jeweled lotuses to my left here the extended art foils and those ones are pringling and that's supposed to be a better condition than most of the secret layers so uh, just the the risk involved with holding anything foil is they've destroyed the premium around what it means to be foil and the quality of the foils has just got worse i need foils of any kind so yeah yeah, I think like the only way you'd ever want to do a play on foils. I mean, I think the secret layer, uh, the Street Fighter foils are a decent pickup, but only if you're not going to open the product, just because. Yeah. 
and, and if you're planning on holding for uh, three or four, you know, for a good couple of years, I think there was someone within our Discord that actually mentioned that as well. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yes, yeah, for me, I'm actually, because um, I already went ahead and bought mine pretty early on. I went ahead and maxed out my cards. Uh, I went ahead with 30 of the Street Fighter non foil. Uh, and then I also went ahead with, with 15 of the. Uh, I think it was the Kaito Shizuki, the one that's got like all the ones with the Kaito character. So that looked pretty cool. And then I went also with 15 copies of the uh, uh, Kamigawa, the manga uh, one, which has all like a lot of those like EDH staples. So all three I did non-foil. Nice. Nice. You're going deep. Well, at least deeper than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, this is a little bit of like for me, this does feel like a little bit of a gamble. Uh, just because I was thinking, I was like, you know what, I've I wanted to try maxing out the card just one time just to see. Because I actually really, I I honestly thought I bought the secret layers for the uh, um, what's the previous character ones, uh, Stranger Things. So I thought I mm-hmm. bought those, but I guess I totally forgot to do that, <laughs> and I was like regretting that. So I'm like, all right, yeah. this time I'm just gonna go deeper on it and. And see what turns up because I think because looking at the singles prices for the uh, for the Stranger Things right now, like even the like even the really crappy ones are still holding a price tag. I think of like, at least four or five bucks. And there's like twelve ca- car, you know, twelve or thirteen cards in that one. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I was like, yeah, that's a lot of easy money. And and I think it's I think it's a mutual agreement across every every people group within the MTG finance and regular, even the magic, the gathering community that the secret layer for uh street fighter is just a straight up home run. Like it's, it's just straight up easy money. Yeah. The IP crossovers, I think have been really successful for magic. Like I think it largely started with the, the anime walkers out of war of the spark, I guess, what was that three or four years ago now? And then, it extended into, I think Godzilla was like the first big crossover with Ikoria and that broke records. I don't think they've ever looked back from there. And I like the secret layers uh, being like, I like that um, it's like a contained event. So, you know, I mean, I think we're going to have that Lord of the Rings theme set coming up, but I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. So I'm okay with it, but by and large, it's a little weird putting those like broader IP themes into actual full blown sets. So it's, kind of fun to see them do it in secret layers i think yeah i'm really curious how they're going to play out with that also um i haven't i remember i think i hearing of what was it the warhammer 40k they're going to do as well mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah which, that'll be fun. yeah that's going to mm-hmm. be a very niche market i mean it's because like i was talking with a lot of like people on my lgs and they're like yeah i've heard of warhammer i heard it's pretty you know it's a lot of the you know the boomers all play that game and of course i got one or two friends who are like who are into warhammer they're like they love the lore you know, the factions and they're like, Oh, this is going to be the best set ever. So yeah, I feel like that one's going to be a lot, a lot more, uh, specific, you know, specific, especially in comparison to Lord of the Rings, which that is something that's beloved by a lot of people. And not to mention Amazon's coming up with their own series. Uh, I think like later this year and it's, it's you know, so that hype adds to it. I just love how Watsy's actually getting the timing right though. Cause, uh, there's the, I always think of the joke, there's that uh, Rick and Morty episode about a dragon. They wanted to tie in with the Game of Thrones release, uh, but due to like production delays, it came out like a year later and they missed all the dragon hype and they always make jokes about it. Uh, I feel like Watsy's done that a few times, but now, you know, they got the Stranger Things secret layer out. 
And the fourth season of you know Stranger Things is coming out this year. Look at that. And I bet you money that that's going to go up in value when that season comes out. You know, we're we're doing the Lord of the Rings ahead of or alongside the Amazon release. We're actually getting the timing right to actually boost the sale of these products. So hats off to them for doing something right there. Oh, definitely. And I even like with the standard sets, uh, War of the Spark, I think, was almost almost perfectly well-timed because War of the Spark came, came out shortly after we got uh, the final, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Avengers yeah, Endgame was- or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, yeah, because you have like, you know, in the Marvel Universe, you have this climatic, massive battle happening between, you know, the Avengers and the bad guys. I'm not going to spoil it for those who have not seen it. I know it's been like oh, for two years. <laughs> um, but and then, of course, they, you know, around the same time, they have all the planeswalkers coming together against the Bolas. Yeah. I was thinking back to the uh, the Innistrad release, which I think was like based around when the whole world was going through the Edward or Jacob phase of Twilight. And that was supposed <laughs> to be right. tied in together. And it was like, hey, it kind of was, it kind of wasn't. And, you know, you had to basically, you know, Jimmy an entire set around it. But I feel like the flexibility of secret layers and just the ability to release them and then, you know, them being of a shorter time period and really, too, them being really focused around the EDH. Because, I, I mean, if I can put Bilbo Baggins in my EDH deck, you can bet I'm going to do it. Uh, like it's just going to happen. But if I have to play Bobo Baggins and modern, uh, that's less fun for me. And I feel like it detracts from the magic IP. So I kind of like the, the fine balance they're walking here with like the street fighters and the stranger things. It's, it's impressive to see them do something right. Or at least that we can all give them props for. Let me phrase it that way. That's true. Give credit where credit is due. I never want to do that with Watsy though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of wondering, have you guys checked out uh so have you added a single layer to a pre-order before uh, like as in like one extra for personal or well uh, so i i completely forgot about the the kaito shizuki um secret layer and i wanted to get one but i just want one mm-hmm. so do I have to order $100 to get free shipping with it? Or if I purchase it, will it just add in? Or I pre-order believe, it? I believe you actually have to make your cart $100 or more. I mean, you could try emailing Watsy being uh, like, hey, you know, I, I, I wanted to add this to my order. Last second, they might be like, yeah, that's fine. We'll go ahead and take that away. Oh, uh, so uh, in, the, uh, in the chat, uh, Hidden says that cancel your old order and make a new one. So you can just uh, cancel your old right. order, make it and add the new one. And of course, if you want to add anything else, like some Street Fighter or, um, you know, the most beloved one of them all, the uh, Pictures of the Floating World, which is the uh, hidden, hidden Lands, Hideaway Lands. Being sarcastic, <laughs> that was a terrible one. Yeah. Um, so. All right. So, so Hidden Agenda is jumping in and saying, we just need to buy it all. Just don't worry <laughs> about it, which is fine. Max your card. The the other thing that I noticed, I, I just went into the, the account. My secret layer Street Fighter is forty two ninety four. It's not thirty nine ninety nine. I think that's with tax, right? Because they add the tax onto it. I believe yeah, that is there the we case. Go. That's what you gotta it pay is. your fair share there, man. Man, I just want to have my resellers. <laughs> Just yeah, give me that. my resellers, you know, because I'm going to resell it. I'm just going to get that money back. 
Government just wants your money. What's the big they deal? They do. They do. I don't want them to have it. That's the issue. <laughs> so that's called tax evasion. And if we're going to do that, <laughs> you probably shouldn't put this on a podcast. Uh, and we'll we should probably. <laughs> so I would just like to point out that having a good CPA helps you make sure you pay the littlest amount of tax legally that you that you can. We we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to avoid our taxes. I mean, yeah, we don't. oh i love it i love it all right hidden uh i i know that you're sort of back are you doing all right i'm i'm here oh there's my son (laughs) (laughs) i love it it's it's quite apparent that he has company right now so badooch Man, I'm funny. I'm going to have to add in a bell for every pun that uh, Wit does each episode. <laughs> pun count. You know what? We could actually make that a part of, of the cast from now on. Since Wit's going to be joining us every week, we could actually make it a part of the cast that we should drink every time that Wit says a pun. Ooh. All right. Unfortunately, it's 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. That's going to get interesting real fast on a work day. <laughs> this is, yeah. Near the end of the podcast, we're like slurring our words. It's going to be, <laughs> it'll, it'll be the most amazing thing ever, but, or it might be like absolute disaster. But either way, you know, as is being edited, you know, as our editor is editing, he's going to be like, what is going on here? Well, I am the editor, so. Uh, oh, it'll be fun for me to revisit and, and relearn. Love it. All right. That being said, I'm I'm getting calls for for church already uh, this morning, which means that things are not as cool as as I wanted them to be out there. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to add before we we wrap this one up? Hidden, do you have anything you'd like to add? Or uh... I sure I'll I'll try to try to slide in. Um, so sorry I wasn't able to go over everything, but. Um, Everyone's kind of like they talked about it. So the main ones to focus on, I'll just I'm just gonna like speed speed bullet it. Street Fighter, uh, the yeah. If you're if you're gonna buy individuals, buy Street Fighter. Buy the Kamigawa, the manga one, and buy the Kaito Shizuki. Those are the ones. Uh, generally, non foil is the way to go. But I will say within the Street Fighter one, it's actually worthwhile to consider um, foils and non-foils. All right. Wolf, uh, Wit, do you guys have anything that you'd like to add before we we wrap this up? Probably nothing to add, but just kind of uh, repeating what I said before. Uh, Keep an eye out on the four four horsemen sets. Um, the reserve list is a bit quiet right now, but that can only last for so long. So keep an eye out on what cards are, you know, supply of cards and just get ready. This could be very much the year where we start seeing a lot of movement. So while we see secret layers happening, we see standard sets coming out, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, that would just be my encouragement. And I mean, and I think in future episodes, I'll talk more about that. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll I'll just double down on the the reserve list. I I'm a personal believer that broader financial markets can, believe it or not, have an impact on on our tiny corner of the world. Uh, 
and I think the reserve list is probably primed to do quite well this upcoming year. So uh, that would be one that I'm just kind of parking money into because I'm starting to get lazy and I want to move as few cards through my hands as possible. So I, I'm enjoying building up some stacks. And as always, I am in the grind. I'm buying, I'm selling, I'm trying to do the best that I can with the finances I have available. And, you know, I'm just trying to make a little bit of money at a time and trying to hit some home runs as well. So that being said, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for taking your time today to listen to the Band Arbitrage Network. We're here to share a little bit more about the data and information that we have. We're glad to have you along for the ride. We're trying to record these a little bit more consistently every other week and trying to just encourage people in the process of collectible finance. So thank you for taking time uh, to join us here at the Van Arbitrage Network. We really appreciate you. Uh, Sorry, now I'm distracted. Appreciate you hitting agenda too. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you for joining us here at the Ban Arbitrage Network. I hope you have a good rest of your day.